and I want to begin by just stating three questions that I think all of us have asked at some point in our lives, and if we haven't asked this question, you will. Three questions. Why do bad things happen? Is my suffering meaningless? And is there any hope in my pain? These are some of the most common questions that people ask when they are in the face of suffering. It's probably some of the most common questions many of you in this room have asked over the last 14 months. Why do bad things happen? Is my suffering meaningless? And is there any hope in my pain? And I think our text today, as we continue in our study of the Gospel of John, actually provides some incredible insight into these questions. Our text today is John chapter 9, and it begins like this. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. And Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We talked about this last week. Jesus is continuing the conversation we studied last week. Well, having said these things, verse 6 says, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is him. Others said, No, it's just someone who looks like him. <laughs> and he kept saying, It is me. I am the man. So they said to him, well, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Why do bad things happen? When Jesus and his disciples passed by this man, this blind beggar, the disciples, they saw an opportunity to ask Jesus a theological, a philosophical question that they were curious about. They asked him, verse 2 says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And this question right here that they asked actually gives us a glimpse into how people thought about sin and suffering in first century culture. The immediate assumption of Jesus' disciples was that anyone who experienced any sort of deformity, any sort of disability, any sort of suffering was being punished for something that they had done, a sin they had committed. You see, they held to the belief that good people are healthy and blessed. And bad people, those sinners, are unhealthy and poor. This was the air they breathed in this culture. They assumed that if someone was blind or if someone suffered in any way, it was the result of divine punishment. God was punishing them for something they had done. Or, at the very least, divine apathy. God was not blessing them because they were not worthy of God's blessing. And the disciples, Jesus' disciples, they were curious 
They wanted to know as they walked past this blind man, why was this guy being punished? Or who was being punished? Why was this man not blessed? Was it something his parents did to have a blind child? Was it something the man did? Uh, the disciples were curious. Whose fault is it that this man is blind? Because in their minds, it has to be someone's fault. And their assumption was that if anyone was experiencing any sort of pain or suffering, it had to be their own fault. They're just reaping what they sowed. And you say, oh my, that seems so insensitive, so primitive to believe that. But let me ask you a more honest question. When something goes wrong in your life, what is your initial reaction towards God? So a few years ago, I was back in my hometown, and I was uh, hanging out with a couple of my old friends, but there were also some, you know, guys that I went to high school with that didn't really know that well. And one of the guys at the table was a guy I didn't really know that well, uh, but we, he was telling stories of when his daughter was born. And uh, I'm not going to tell you this guy's name in case anybody from back home is watching this. But this guy apparently, in his mind, he knew that he, had, he was guilty of being a bit of a bully when he was in high school. It, apparently, he had made fun of people. You, you're going to understand this in a moment. So when his first daughter was born, I don't know anybody who's had a kid uh, has been in the hospital room when their child was born, you know that often when a child goes through the birth canal, their head, you know, their skull takes on a funny shape when they come out. Well, this guy didn't know that, okay? And so his daughter, his daughter is born, and he sees the cone head, and he thinks, my daughter has like a deformity. And he immediately said, he immediately said, that my, he said, my mind raced back to when I was in high school and I used to make fun of people. And he said, I ran into the parking lot, got in my car, and started praying to God, God, I'm so sorry that I made fun of people in high school. Why did you make my daughter look like this? He thought it was his own. He thought God was punishing him because he made fun of people in high school. And that's kind of funny. It's kind of strange. But look, over the years, I've experienced in my own life, and maybe you have too, quite a few setbacks and disappointments in my life and struggles. And I, I've walked through some really painful things in my life over the last decade or so. And any time I've been faced with these circumstances, there have been times where I've had intense conversations with God where I have cried out and said, Why, God? What are you doing? Why me? Why my family? What did I do to deserve this? What did my family do to deserve this? What am I being punished for? Anybody prayed that prayer before? My questions and my own struggles with following God, and I'm sure for many of you as well, have been no different than the question that the disciples asked. Why was this man born blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Why do we have to walk through pain? Why do bad things happen? It is the question that nearly everyone in this room will ask at some point in your life. Something will happen and you will say, what did I do to deserve this? And it's really important here. We are a church that is theologically minded. It's important that you have good theology. Life is too hard to have bad theology. And so it's important that we have a clear-eyed understanding about the nature of suffering and the consequences and the nature of sin. You see, 
our trials and our struggles and our suffering are typically the result of one of two things, and we have to understand the difference between these two things. The consequences of sin and the curse of sin. I'm going to explain that may be confusing to some of you, but let me explain the consequences of sin. Sometimes in this life you will suffer as a consequence for your sin. When we disobey God's commands and we sin, there are often consequences for it. There are times when our sin or our sins actually brings suffering into our lives. Our actions, our decisions, our sins can bring about things like addictions in our lives. That's a consequence of bad decisions that have spiraled into something that is difficult to walk with through your life. Our actions, our sin can bring about something as painful as divorce. It can bring about something as painful as a prison sentence, perhaps or financial problems, or loss of reputation. Our sin, we can, can destroy relationships in our lives. These are all sorts of pain, there are all sorts of painful circumstances that we can bring about on ourselves because of our sins. We know this to be true. It's the consequence of sin. How many of you have done something, disobeyed God at some point in your life, and had to pay a price for it? I know I have. But there's another reason that we, often, that we also experience deep suffering, and it doesn't have anything to do with what we've done wrong. Often, our painful situations come simply because we live in a messed up world. There's the consequences of sin, and we can bring pain in our lives to the consequences of our sin. But there's also the curse of sin that affects all of us, sometimes even when we haven't done anything wrong. The curse of sin, what I mean by this is in the book of Genesis the first pages of the Bible, we read that God did not originally create a world with suffering in it. In fact, God created all things and he said, it is very good what I've made. There was no suffering, there was no death, there was no sickness, there were no natural disasters, there were no pandemics, there were none of that. But when humanity chose to disobey God and separate ourselves from God, you can read all about this in Genesis chapter 3, we brought onto our world a curse. And now everything in this world has traces of brokenness in it. So everything in this world, there are things, everything is beautiful but also broken at the same time. The world no longer functions fully as God intended because there's a curse on this world. Therefore, we all live in a world where things are just messed up. And the messed up world affects all of us in different ways. There are some things that we experience, painful things that we experience in this life, just by nature of living in a world that is broken. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong. The brokenness of the world just affects us all in various painful ways. So often, our most painful situations and circumstances in our lives come simply, not because we did anything wrong, but because we live in a broken world. So look up here and look at me. If you've lost a parent to cancer, you didn't do anything to cause it. If you've been abused in any way, that is not your sin that caused it. It is someone else's. 
And never forget that. It's not what you were wearing. It's not how you acted. It's not what you drank. If someone has hurt you, it's not on you. It's on them. Or in my case, or let's, if, you've been, if you've been on the receiving end of racism or prejudice or discrimination, that's not your fault. That's not on you. That's on somebody else. And you're having to pay the price because of someone else's sin because this world is messed up. In my case, if you've had to walk through the pain of having to watch one of your children struggle with a disability, it's so painful. It's not my fault. I have to tell myself this all the time. It's not my son's fault. This world is broken, and it affects us all in different ways. And in these cases, you are suffering. Your suffering is not because you've done something to bring it about. It's because you live in a world that is broken. There are sins that we commit, and there are consequences for those things. And there is also, generally speaking, the curse of sin that is over all this world, and we need rescue from them both. We need rescue from our sin, and we need rescue from the curse of sin on this world. And the disciples, this is where it gets back to our text today, the disciples mix these two categories up. Consequences of sin, the curse of sin. And they assumed that this man's blindness had to be the consequence of some sin that he had committed. And Jesus was actually asked a very similar question in Luke chapter 13. A large tower had fallen and killed several people. And people come to Jesus and they say, what? why did that tower fall on those people, Jesus? Were those people worse sinners than the rest of us? Is that why they were killed? And we look back on this, these previous cultures, and we think, who talks like this? Blaming like a disaster, like an architectural disaster <laughs> on, on people's sins. And you think, who talks like this? But think about it. You hear people talk like this today all the time. Anytime some tragedy happens, this is especially true, unfortunately, within the world of American evangelical Christianity. Something bad happens, some natural disaster or whatever, and there's always some guy that nobody asked to speak who starts speaking on behalf of other Christians, usually on television explaining why the tragedy happened. You guys have seen this before, whether it's Hurricane Katrina or Maria or the Haiti earthquake or 9-11 or even the coronavirus. Anytime something terrible happens in this world, you can count on it. Some knucklehead, some TV preacher will get on TV and decide that he has the authority to speak on behalf of God and begins philosophizing and conjecturing about why God is punishing these people. It could be because, oh, you know, it could be those people. It's because they do these things or they do that. Because this, in this person's mind, when there is suffering in the world, it has to be because somebody did something wrong, God is ticked, and he's making us all pay for it. When some tragedy happens, whether it's a man born blind, a tower falling, an earth, a, a hurricane, an earthquake, a terrorist attack, or a global pandemic, there is always someone who wants to know whose fault is it? Who sinned? Who can we blame this on? Which individual sins did someone commit to cause this? And Jesus completely flat out 
rejects this idea because when these people asked him about the tower and they said, were, were these people worse sinners? Is that why the tower fell on them? Jesus looks at them and he says, repent likewise or you will perish as well. That tower could have fallen on any of you. Jesus essentially tells them, you think you're more righteous than these people because you didn't die that day? That's absurd. The reason those people were killed that day is because they were standing too close to a tower that fell, period. Those things happen in a broken world. Suffering can happen to anyone regardless. So the question is, why do bad things happen to us? Sometimes they happen as a result of our own mistakes and our own sins. God disciplines those he loves. And if you're dealing with the fallout of your own mistakes, remember that God disciplines those he loves. He is trying to teach you through your own sin what it means to be righteous. And he, he can even use your own mess-ups to conform you into the image of Jesus. But other times, bad things happen just because we live in a broken, messed-up world where bad things happen. Second question, is my suffering meaningless? I love how Jesus, you know, the disciples ask kind of a, it's kind of a dumb question when you sort of read the, all of Scripture. But I love the way Jesus answers their question in verse 3. He said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but this man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Listen, for my money, that is one of the most powerful sentences that ever came out of the mouth of Jesus. Because listen, you guys know, I have a special needs child. And man, I have wrestled with God over this. But I hear Jesus say to this disabled man, the works of God will be displayed in you. And it gives me hope that God has a plan for my little boy's life. Not in spite of his disabilities, but through them. And it's the same for you and me. Look, we all have our struggles. And I think, you know, most of us on our best days, we may have faith that God can do something powerful in our lives, but we think that he has to go around our weaknesses to do it, don't we? But here, Jesus says that your suffering, your disabilities, your weakness, he wants to display his power through those things, not in spite of them. Whatever pain you may be experiencing, God has a way of displaying his power in the midst of it. Listen to me. God is not the author of evil. But in his grace and by his sovereignty, he can turn our pain into his glory and our good. This is mysterious. We don't know how it works. We don't know when it will work in our lives. But you can be assured that God is good. And he is kind. And he can use the most miserable days of your life to display his mercy and his grace. Is your suffering meaningless? In a world without God, it would be. But because he is with us, and because he cares for us, our suffering is not and never will be meaningless. Through Christ, our pain is the place where the works of God might be displayed in us. Third question, is there any hope? 
What I love about this story is that Jesus demonstrates that he has power to overcome the curse of sin, the curse of sin of the world. So we talk about the consequence of sin and the curse of sin. He reverses the broken things in this man's life and gives him his sight back. Jesus reverses the curse of sin in this man's life. And I love that when this man is retelling the story, his neighbors are asking him, wait, are you the guy? How, wait, how did that happen? He says, look, Jesus told me to put some mud in my eyes, uh, just put some mud in my eyes, told me to go wash it off. I went, I washed, and I received my sight. They're like, how did, what happened? He's like, I don't know, but Jesus came and did this thing. And that appears to be just this really powerful ending to the story. We could stop the sermon right here, bring Josh up, start singing. We could run out of here pretty excited, watch some baptisms. And I mean, that would be a great sermon. But that's not the end of the story. There's more. Later in verse 35, Jesus asks the man, he says, do you believe in me? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And verse 38 says, the man fell to his knees and he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So two things happened to that man that day. Jesus healed him from the curse of sin, the blindness, and rescued him from the ultimate consequence of sin, which is death. He forgave him of his sins. This is what Jesus promises, that through his death and his resurrection, for those who believe in him and follow him, he will remove the guilt of our sins. We may have to live with the consequences of our sins in this life, but the ultimate consequence, which is death and separation from God, Jesus has removed those things, and we will not pay the ultimate price for our sins. The consequences of sin are mild compared to what we deserve. Jesus has removed our death and given us life. He has forgiven us of our sins for those who believe in him and follow him. But he also promises to redeem us from the curse of sin. You say, does that mean that I'm going to walk out of here healed today? Maybe, but what it does mean that we all can bank on is that there's coming a day when Jesus says, Behold, I am going to make all things new. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, your sins have been forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good news. But there's more to the story. There is also the promise that for all of those who have been forgiven, eternal life, resurrection life awaits them, where all brokenness will be restored. To quote J.R.R. Tolkien, all bad things will become untrue. And here's why this gives me hope, because I know that Jesus doesn't just want to clean up my mess, but he wants to clean up the mess that's all around me. He wants to forgive my sin, sin, and he wants to heal me from the sins I've committed. Uh, he, 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 he forgives my sin, and he heals me from the sins that have been committed against me. And the messed up things that I've experienced merely because I live in this broken world, he is the God of forgiveness and resurrection. New life, free from the curse of sin. This is what Jesus offers. Look at this picture right here. This is the tombstone of a child named Matthew Robeson. Uh, he was, when he was born, he was blind and paralyzed. And when he died at 11 years old, his father designed this tombstone for him. And um, this picture's on my phone, and I'll flip through it and see it every now and then. And just the hope that stirs in me when I see this picture. 
you know, good theology isn't only taught in catechisms, is it? It's taught in art. I mean, that tombstone right there is about as good a theology as you're ever going to get. This picture is a promise of hope for anyone who is a follower of Jesus. Whatever burdens you are carrying in this life, they will be lifted when you see Jesus face to face. And when he brings resurrection into your life. Whatever pain, whatever disabilities, whatever loss, whatever habits hold you down and keep you from experiencing joy and life, those things will be lifted and you will rise in his name. And what this means for my life is that not only do I know that my sins are forgiven, but I know that Jesus is coming back one day. And he's bringing heaven down to earth with him. And he's going to suck up the presence of sin from this place. And he's going to bring resurrection and restoration. And we will rise to new life. And on that day, disabilities will disappear, temptations will be removed, the wounds that have been inflicted upon you will be instantly healed because Jesus will heal them with his own hands. And the tears you've cried, he will wipe them away with his own hands. Jesus died not only so your sins could be forgiven, but he died so that you could live in a world in eternity where sin no longer has any power over you and where the effects of sin no longer have any effect over you. Jesus offers forgiveness, but boy, he offers so much more, doesn't he? He offers resurrection life. So you say, is there any hope in my suffering? You better believe it. Because God came not only to forgive you of your sins, but he came to remove the curse of sin. Not only from the world, but from your dark heart. You will be cleansed. This world will be renewed. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? What, what are you waiting for? You know, my son... I told you know he's he's got special needs and when we were adopting him we didn't know he had special needs but one of the prayers we prayed our son's name is Israel so we kind of took a hold of this verse from Psalm 130 and this was our prayer for our son while we were waiting on the adoption to come through and it says this O Israel hope in the Lord for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful or full or complete redemption we didn't know the life that God would have for our son. But we were praying this over our son before he was even born. And it takes on a whole new meaning when I look at his life. And I know that the curse of this world, this broken world, has affected him. His brain is affected by the curse of sin. But this passage says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. I just want to tell my son, son, God loves you. And with him is full redemption. Church, there's coming a day where not only will we rise, my son's going to rise. And he's going to run. He's going to talk. And the curse of sin will be lifted. Yeah.
And that's true for you as well if you're in Christ. The curse will be lifted. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the good, kind, compassionate, holy, perfect, jealous, everlasting God who heals, who provides, who restores. And God, today we place our trust in you, believing that whatever sickness or frustration or sin or darkness we're bringing into this room today, we believe in faith that you can remove those things. We thank you that you have removed the wages of sin from our life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift that you've given those who are, believe in your Son, you've given us eternal life. Thank you, God, that I may have to live with some of the consequences of my sin, but I won't have to live with the ultimate consequences for my sin. Your wrath was poured out on Jesus, not on me, because you're good and you're kind. And I don't have to pay the full penalty of my sin because Jesus already paid it in full. It is finished to tell us But God, I think sometimes we focus so much on the forgiveness of sins that we forget to fix our eyes on the redemption of all things. And God, in, a, 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 in the midst of a global pandemic, we've seen just how broken this planet can be. God, would you restore us again? God, we fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith who has promised that you will return and that you will make all things new and that we will rise and we will run and we will not grow weary. So God, we thank you. And it's in your name we pray.